This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to Inside Carolina's The Game Plan Podcast. your host Tommy Ashley that's Jason Staples Greg Barnes will be in in a couple short minutes she was on the other foot this week yeah it does uh it's all it always catches up but no Greg Greg will join us it's the game plan we're sponsored by Johnny t-shirt all that good stuff a lot of exciting stuff for inside Carolina over the next several weeks and months Um, but this is a staple podcast that we have done and jason quite frankly we were talking off the air this is a podcast specifically this week's uh that i feel like we've done it before nothing nothing really changes when carolina plays pittsburgh yeah i mean the one thing that has changed is that at least a couple years ago you had to worry about pit throwing the ball and then narduzzi if you remember got really twitchy he got upset because whipple kept wanting to throw the ball with a quarterback that's now starting in the nfl you know he he had the audacity to want to throw it instead of just you know pounding the rock just pound, playing physical football and pounding the rock so narduzzi you know politely moved on from from whipple and decided to bring in somebody who was going to do what he wanted which is pound the rock and well, now we're in a situation where I'm not sure Pitt can throw it if they want to. So, you know, that is one thing that's changed. It is interesting to me. We talk about coaches and what they do. And, and you know, a lot of us sit back, you know, fans of the sport sit back and say, well, I could do it better. They should do this. They should do that. What in the world, and, and I know Greg's a big Narduzzi guy, and we'll talk to him about it when he gets here, but what in the world would possess somebody to run off the one guy that won you an ACC championship or helped you win an ACC championship and just say, nope. I mean, what kind of mind, Jason, has to be that way? Nope, we had some success, but we're going to do it my way come hell or high water. And that's what they've done. Yeah, so – I mean, football coaches are all, you know, we all, there, there's always a, it's a, it's a special breed, right? <laughs> and Narduzzi is in a lot of ways, you know, one of those throwback special breed coaches. And the thing is, I think Narduzzi knew that he had had a really good quarterback that was a big part of that ACC championship uh, for them, right? He knew that that guy was a really good player, and he knew that that guy was not coming back through that door in the future. And I think he felt like his program was not going to be 
as good down the line if they continued along the same line that they had just gone down despite that success. And and it really is because of his philosophical framework that there are right ways and wrong ways to play the game of football. And if you do it the right way and you get and you're really physical and you win the line of scrimmage and all of that, you're going to win a lot more than you're going to lose. And honestly, I mean, one thing I'll say, Narduzzi has lasted a lot longer and had more success at Pitt than I thought he would have when he was hired. Because I figured taking his particular approach of trying to play, you know, man ball, essentially, you know, big man football at a place like Pitt and asking his corners and safeties to, to single cover and to play, you know, press quarters type stuff at 95% of the time, my, my initial assumption was, yeah, well, good luck with that because you'd better be able to cover well enough to be able to compensate. And it's going to be hard to get the athletes at Pitt that you need to be able to, that you need to be able to do that. And he's going on what year has he, has he been there 10 or 11 years now? I was, I was looking it up. I know Greg could say it straight out the gate, but it's been a while. And I think if we're being honest, he kind of shocked us all by being able to do it. You know? Yeah. Here comes Greg. Greg, Greg will, Greg will bring us all the, the Narduzzi stats. Let me get Greg Barnes in here, right here. Greg, we're, we are talking about Pittsburgh's head coach who had the um, wherewithal to get rid of Whipple, the offensive coordinator, after some success and go straight to what Jason, I guess Jason said, big man or, or big boy football. Rock em, sock em, run it, grind you up football. Um, first of all, how long has Narduzzi been there? I'm sitting here. He got hired in 2014, right? Yep. So he's got nine years. Yeah, 15, 16, 17. Yeah, I'm not a big he's, math person. He's had uh, more victories in the ACC in that time than anybody but Thabo Sweeney. How about that? Yep. 41 and 25 at, at Pitt in the ACC. Um, what do you make, Greg, though, before we get into it, what do you make of the Narduzzi's decision to jettison the the old – and bring in the older as far as their <laughs> style of play. Well, he's an old school defensive football coach and it is exactly what he wants to do. I mean, people say, well, he made a mistake. He doesn't think so. He's doing exactly what he wants to do. And what he wants to do is be very good defensively and run the football. But in order to run the football, you have to be great at running the football and you have to be able to complement it with the passing attack. They failed to do so last year with a fantastic defense. They lost some key pieces off that defense. They brought in uh, Phil Dracovic, thinking that maybe he would be better than uh, Slovis. And I don't know, Jason, I'd like to know your opinion. Um, I mean, the kid Carolina played up in Chestnut Hill several years ago. That kid looked like he had all kinds of talent. And what we've seen out of Dracovic the last two years, I know he's had that injury, but just looks like a different player. Um, and just was really, really poor against West Virginia last weekend. 
Um, offensive line's not holding up. So if your offensive line's not holding up and you're wanting to run the ball and complement it with a passing game and your quarterback's not really any good, uh, good luck having much of a offense. I mean, you're starting to look like Iowa without the dominant Iowa defense. So he's doing ex- <laughs> he's doing exactly what he wants to do. Uh, it's just not working for him, and um, he's hard headed, and I think he'll he'll stick with this for as long as he can. But you know, when you look at what they were able to do with Kenny Pickett throwing the ball down the field, that's football nowadays. And uh, that's not something Narduzzi is interested in. I'm curious to see whether or not Michigan State ends up coming after him after uh, after parting ways with Mel Tucker now. Which, yeah. How fortunate must the administration at Michigan State feel that, that they got the out from that contract? Yeah, was it $90 million guar- guaranteed? That That's now they're not going to have to pay, and he's not going to have to. He's not going to get. I mean, you talk about an expensive decision. Woo! There are poor decisions. There are unfortunate decisions. There are stupid decisions. And, and then there's that. And then that. there's that. And uh, yeah, what a mess. Michigan State, not not a. I'm not so sure. I'd go. They'd have to pay me that kind of money to go up there. Uh, the way that they might be able to pay him that kind of money. That's the thing with the Big Ten. Dollars, they may they may just open up that that checkbook for him, given the success he had there with with D'Antonio. Before we get rolling, uh, let me give a shout out to Gregory Hall, who's joined us in the chat. Gregory, of course, former IC intern, now out on the left coast with a baseball team that has two of the best players in the game, including one generational player, and yet they'll watch in the playoffs. Gregory, I think you need to be in the front office out there, my man. Brutal. <laughs> and, and and Greg enjoys Narduzzi because of the defensive side. Did you see the, the – here you go, Greg. This is funny. Where's Greg? Was the internet down at Narduzzi's house? <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't have internet, guys. Come on. He's old school. He's yeah, still Gre- got dial-up. Gre- Greg had to tether to his phone for this. That's right. <laughs> Actually, a good one. Um and it wouldn't surprise me if if the real John Bunning made that comment because that's a pretty funny dude as well. Greg, l- let's talk a little bit about Djokovic. And let's be honest, Carolina, at least last year and years past, w- was a, a sort of a a bomb for a struggling quarterback, C. Tyler Van Dyke. Um, what is it? I, I mean, is it system change? Is it injury? And what's the likelihood that he doesn't have a get-right game on Saturday? Well, that's always a, a concern, right? Um, but if you just go back and, and look at uh, you know 2020, uh, 17 touchdowns, five interceptions, completed 61% of his passes, uh, 7.6 yards per attempt. Those, those are solid numbers. Uh, the next year, he was injured. But even then, 9.5 yards per attempt, uh, completion percentage down to 54%. Uh, last year, 11 touchdowns, eight interceptions, 59% completion p- percentage. Uh, and then this year, of course, 46.7% completion percentage, 6.3 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, I don't know. I mean, clearly the fact that he has changed offensive coordinators, uh, that, that plays a role. Being injured plays a role. Moving around plays a role. But when you kind of look at 
his issues this year. He doesn't appear comfortable just in the couple games that I've watched of his. But more than anything, he's not having a lot of time in the pocket. I mean, if you look at the, the numbers from uh, PFF, I mean, he's been under pressure on 42% of his dropbacks. He's been pressured 37 times. Um, and some people, you know, Drake May can handle pressure better than others. And if we'll, we'll go ahead and look at, you know, Dracovic's numbers here. When he's kept clean, 74 grade. When he's under pressure, 31 grade. Um, and so that that's kind of the thing. Now, of course, on top of that, it's the run game. If you get, you know, if Pitt's able to get a lot of third and shorts, second and mediums, well, those are those are key positions to help keep pressure off for Dracovic. But when he's in, you know, kind of behind the chains and that running game's not working, uh, Pitt's offense has just been really poor. And so, uh, you know, those are those are some of the things to look for on Saturday, and that's that's uh, one of the key things for North Carolina is is to bottle up the run and go after Dracovic, and that's been a success thus far for opposing teams. Jason, when you've watched this team, this North Carolina defense, I mean, is this a is it is it, is this a game that they can handle um, and improve on, as they sort of did in minute against Minnesota when it mattered? Um, you know, what's North Carolina's approach here? And I'm looking at I don't know if I, I see the slack you sent me. If I can figure out how to put it on the screen, I will, Jason. But yeah. just tell me, just tell me North Carolina's defensive approach up front and with blitzes and or with um, however they want to get pressure on Jacobic. Well, the biggest thing is finding ways to stop the run. They're going to have to find ways to be able to to make Pitt uncomfortable in that in that department. Uh, and if they can do that, I mean, Greg, you you mentioned the Pro Football Focus grades for for Jerkovic. Here here's uh here's some another one. His success rate as a passer. So successful play means you get the yardage expected in you know on on the play or the the yardage that you that you need to get so first and 10 you get more than five yards you know that sort of thing uh <laughs> his success rate when not pressured this year 47.8 percent that's still not good right that's still bad Look at there. Look on your screen. Oh man, that that one. That one. Uh, let me send you another one because that one apparently exported without the numbers. But that's his. That's his passing chart for the for for the year. Oh, uh, that's an awful lot of red. But his success rate when pressured is twenty nine point seven percent. Yikes. That's that's pretty brutal. Um, yeah. That's. Let me see if this one actually has it, Tommy. Um. But yeah, that that that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to to get them in long enough yardage. Yeah, that one's the one to put up there. I, I, gotcha. I don't know why it does that sometimes. This is from True Media, by the way. Uh, they they uh, the this this chart just for the record. But that uh, that twenty nine point seven percent success rate and his passer rating, his NFL passer rating when pressured, thirty nine point four percent. Not good. So, I mean, it boils down to that. You you force a guy whose passing chart looks like that to throw the football. It's real simple. Now, 
Pitt is going to try to run the football at all costs to keep them to keep you from being able to do that. And the one thing that you're going to have to be able to do is stop. They're going to run the stretch play, the same stretch play that App ran, and the same stretch play, the same outside zone stuff that uh, that that Minnesota liked to run. So three weeks in a row of a lot of the same running game of a lot of zone, a, a lot of inside zone, a lot of stretch. And they're going to run a, a, a wide variety of, of run plays just to cause you trouble. But to me, it boils down to stopping that stuff. And I'm actually about to pull up their breakdown in terms of um, uh, of their run plays on the season and what they, what they actually – their percentage on what they've run. This is one of the things I absolutely love about uh, True Media, the ability to do that. But give me just a moment. All right, Greg, will so- you – Look at explain this sort of for our folks looking at it. And if you're watching this on YouTube, of course you see what we're talking about. If you're listening on the podcast version, it is a uh, well. I'll let Greg explain it for you. Well, it's basically just a heat map of where passes are going and where he's having success. Um, and what this pretty much tells us is that uh, he's not having much success at all. Uh, really, just kind of a, around the line of scrimmage and and to his right on short passing plays. Uh, and so that's, that's the problem. Now, you know, when you start talking about right around 50%, uh, you know, is that, is that terrible? Well, it, it kind of depends on your perspective, right? So I, I do think, I do think the, the graph is a, a little damning, uh, maybe more so than it needs to be with, with all the red, uh, but he hasn't been good. And that's kind of the point. To the here's the interesting thing. Um, If you've been following along with with Pittsburgh media, which is always a fun thing to do, I I encourage everybody to do it, especially during Carolina Pit Week. Um, uh, Narduzzi was was pressed on Monday about how bad Dracovic has been. Uh, You know, Christian Vare's a former four star kid that signed with Penn State, uh, and he's he's transferred over to to Pittsburgh. And they think he's got a lot of potential uh, in, in the future. A lot of calls for him to see action. And he's got, I mean, he does have a lot of potential. Uh, he's put up some decent numbers thus far, a little bit of time that he's played. And of course, Narduzzi is very much old school again. I mean, this is classic, classic Phil, but he's like, y'all are ready to, you know, throw people out and fire people and, and bench people just because they have a bad game or two. Uh, you're too quick to pull the club, the, the cord. And, you know, is that game gamesmanship, right? Is that coach speak? Is there a chance that Pitt tries something new uh, and puts in there and, and sees what, see what he can do, or do they actually stick with Dracovic? I'm of the opinion they're probably going to stick with Phil just because that's kind of, uh, that's kind of been the guy for Signetti and, you know, that, that relationship. And he was a big pickup for him in the off season. And you know this is this is Pitt's first uh, first big game in, in ACC play and those kind of things. So um, I think it is a little bit too early, but I I do think you know if Phil comes out and does not look good early. It's not out of the question that Vier will, will come in and uh, Carolina will have a, a different look to prepare for. Is this going to be a, a Cade Klubnik moment <laughs> in Ua Ungale? Uh, that was, um, I doubt it. Yeah. That, 
I've got another one for folks. This is fun. I'm learning how to present my screen and all this. I feel like I'm actually working right now, though, instead of just having a conversation. But, Jason, I'll let you talk about this one. Somebody asks, somebody gets what they ask for on the Game Plan podcast. Drake Mays heat map. <laughs> First one looked like mine. This one looks like Jason's. Uh, I don't know about that, but this, <laughs> this one, this one's, this one's nice and pretty. There's a whole lot of green on that chart. Uh, interesting though, he's still got some room to to improve on the year compared to what he's capable of. So you know that intermediate area, you know between the twenty, you know the, the throws over twenty yards, he's still got some room to to really to really grow there on the year. And I think this, this chart's going to look even more green as, as things go along. Jason, how much of that there in the middle is Josh Downs being gone and Nate McCollum being injured first couple games and then having your top tight end in Copenhagen, Copenhagen get, get hurt with a, with a hand injury and not being as effective in the, in the passing game. Cause that seems like that's a key area for your slot receiver as well as your tight end. Yeah, you know, it's it's a factor, but if you look at last year, he still had a little bit of red in that spot as well, although it was usually one one set of so it was about 10 yards further downfield that that the red started last year in the same areas by the way. So, you know, if that's one of those things you're kind of looking at for film to go, okay, what is it in that in that kind of intermediate zone that he's not quite as strong in terms of of completion percentage, which is what this 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 map is. Uh what is it about what Carolina might be doing or what he's doing or whatever, where he's not quite as good in some of that area? Uh, that's something worth looking at. I think, you know, we've seen him skip some balls there. There have been some times where he's not been uh, been uh, been going, but uh, going at, at, you know, at, at his best. But uh, I think another factor is that there are times where he makes throws in that zone where he's he's in a muddy pocket. You know, he's moving downfield and all that. And he, he attempts some throws in that area that aren't throws that every quarterback even tries. So I think that's a factor as well, but he's definitely got some room to improve in that zone. And I do think having a little bit healthier uh, supporting cast there and certainly McCollum should help there. Yeah. And what's interesting and people referenced it in the chat is you don't have those greens on the numbers outside the numbers deep like you probably would have had had a certain player been oh, really yeah. well you put Tez out there and that, those numbers change quick yeah so so it's an interesting uh, look I'd be interested to see Drake's last year I guess I can look it up but I've got it uh, they uh you know the bottom line is and, and for folks looking at it and I'll call it back up one more time the first set of numbers are are backfield behind the line of scrimmage folks and then you see the blue line so you've got zero to 10, 10 to 20, and so on and so forth. But it's an interesting thing there. Greg, let me ask you about Drake, because you wrote the article on Inside Carolina. Folks need to check it out uh, about Drake, the Heisman, the numbers, and all that. I still contend he's a better quarterback than he was last year on the whole. Agree with me or disagree with me, agree with me and, and tell me why, and then tell me why his numbers aren't what they – were last year, um, I kind of think it's the sophomore year deal. You know, we did a talk to Scott Forbes baseball. Vance Honeycutt was great his freshman year, not so great 
his sophomore year and had some injury issues, folks game plan for Vance, and it makes a difference. Is that what we're seeing with Drake, or is there something else? Well, that's certainly a part of it. Why, let me ask you this, though, Tommy, to get us started. Why do you think Drake is better this year than last? He's managing the game better. I don't think he's taken – and I'm, granted, he has some interceptions. I don't think he's – Aside from getting lit up against Minnesota, I don't think he's doing the YOLO plays as much. Um, his ability to check into different plays at the line of scrimmage, I think, is growth, and it certainly helps for the next level. Those type things. And I believe his QBR is higher if you take that into account. Yeah, I think the the fact that he's willing to trust the running game a little bit more without him having to do so much of the work, uh, I do think that's a growth aspect. And that's also – you know, something that Mac Brown has really harped on. And um, Chip Lindsay's done a good job, you know, utilizing the running backs so that Drake doesn't have to as much. Uh, it felt like at times last year, Drake was really their only option at times running the ball. And granted, I think people forget, uh, British Brooks wasn't available last year. He was hurt. Caleb Hood got hurt early. And so then you're really relying on, you know, a true freshman in Hampton and Petaway and then some inexperienced guys like Elijah Green. And so the, the running backs are much more experienced this year. Um, you know, you do have a new offensive coordinator, new offensive line coach. Offensive line is older. I mean, there's some old guys in the offensive line. So I think if there's really a criticism of this offense, it's, it's probably up front. Um, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a fair take, Tommy. I, I don't necessarily disagree with any, anything you just said. Um, I, I think really what the, the numbers show us thus far um, is that, by and large, everything's about the same. Uh, you do have to give you know, Drake some credit in terms of, I think, you know, the defenses he's played thus far have been better than what he saw through three games last year. Now, clearly, Minnesota, I think, has got a really good defense. So I think that was very impressive uh, of, of the entire game last week, what the offense did, especially Drake against that Minnesota defense far and away was the most impressive part of that game. Um, one thing that I, I did highlight, you mentioned my article earlier this week, um, it's it's what he's been able to do under pressure. Uh, last year, you know, we talked about it for a while, that I mean, he, was, he was kind of at elite levels in performing under pressure. I mean, his, let's see here, his grade under pressure as a retro freshman first year starting was 65. Uh, that's impressive. And his NFL passer rating when pressured last year was 79.3 and success rate of 35. Yep. That's, oh, wow. Right. Uh, and he's a little bit lower than that this year. You know, 59 and a good part of that's the, the interceptions. Um, so are there areas for him to improve on? Yes. Has he played tougher defenses this year? Yes. Am I concerned? Not at all. I don't think there's any reason to be concerned. Um, I, I think the fact that he does have a little bit better running game around him helps. Um, now, how does that factor into the Heisman race? Well, one thing I pointed out is last seven games, eight touchdowns, eight interceptions. That's not very good really for any quarterback. And I, I, the fact that he's four and four this year, uh, is a little bit of a problem too. So you're not going to get the impressive stat lines that some of the other guys, I mean, what Penix Jr. is doing is just ridiculous at Washington. Um, so that maybe that, that hurts the Heisman race. 
But in terms of doing what he needs to do to help North Carolina win, I, I think he's doing just fine. Yeah, for the record, folks looking at this, and again, this is a true media uh, completion percentage. That is last year's. Um, so you have – and interestingly enough, there's nothing outside the numbers, you know, and deep uh, beyond 40 yards. That makes me want you all to call up Sam Howells because it seemed like every time we turned around, Sam Howell was throwing – airing it out. Your but wish yes. is my command. I'm going to pull that up. It's an interesting <laughs> comparison, isn't it? It is. And and so you see Drake strong um, in the middle of the field and then sort of slacks off on the throws to the right a little bit. It, it is uh, stats or something. I mean, you can't hide with all the stats that they have. Jason, while you're calling that up and, and getting to that, I'm going to take a break, talk about Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. They are sponsors of this podcast and great friends of Inside Carolina's premium subscribers as well. Go see them on East Franklin Street. Go see them online. Whatever you need to do, they've got you covered. It's fall season, right? As John Bowman wonderfully talked about on On the Beat, it's sweatshirt season. It's almost time to start. Getting those crew neck sweatshirts, the hoodies, the long sleeve t-shirts, whatever you need. <laughs> Wesley in the chat nailed it. Get your hoodies. Get your stuff from Johnny T-Shirt. Take care of them. All your jersey needs, you know, whatever you want, Johnny T-Shirt's got it. And the big thing is they're alumni owned and operated. They are a local business, and we need to always support local. Shop Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. We'll be right back. It's the game plan. North Carolina and Pittsburgh. A familiar test awaits the name of the game plan we'll be right back okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, guys, I'm going to get back into the game plan here. Greg, I want to show you this because it's not its not what I thought it might look like. This is going to be Sam Howell's uh, – what you doodle from, la from his, see, his last year. Hold, please. It's great radio. Sam Howell's completion percentage. Export number nine, share. Look at there. I wish it was a little, I wish I could make it a little bit bigger, but folks, if you got a big TV, you can see it. He doesn't have any completions over forty yards either. Well, well he's got completions, but there, but the uh, the boxes on the outside of the field there with with no numbers in them. That's just small enough that uh, that it's not loading up the full percentage. The size of the boxes has to do partly with how many balls were thrown in that area. Got you. So the bigger the box, the bigger the numbers. Right. I've got a little bit bigger. And um, 
So an interesting, an interesting chart there. I, he never and, missed the swing pass. Yeah, to the and, right. and Drake's. You, you notice Drake's chart is a little better than this. I mean, and, I mean, noticeably better across the board. And you know, Sam's pretty good player, and is doing pretty darn well for himself in the NFL th- this year. It is a, it is an interesting comparison. It'd be interesting to know how the how the offensive coordinator switch changes things there on those type charts as far as where those numbers are. But anyway, let's get into it. Carolina and Pittsburgh, eight o'clock. Um, we've talked about Drake. We've talked about Jacovic. We talked about Narduzzi. Uh, got the time to throw numbers. Do you have those, Jason? Yeah, I do. So you want to know, you know, Drake May's average, you know, time to throw and all of that. So somebody asked it in the chat. Let me see if I can find it. Well, I did not mark it. But anyway, to the request of time to throw numbers for Drake, hit it, Jason. So his average time to throw right now is about 2.86 seconds, which is longer than I'd like to see. I'd like to see that cut by about half a second. So at about 2.2, 2.3 is kind of the sweet spot for me. And then average time to pressure allowed this year is 2.56. So that's about when Carolina's first adding pressure or first allowing pressure on average, uh, which, by the way, is about a tenth of a second longer per throw than he had last year. Last year, by the way, his time to throw was 2.91. So about a tenth of a second more on each. Uh, this year, he's he's getting a little bit more time until first pressure and also not taking quite as long to throw the football. So I think that's an interesting one in terms of, I mean, you're talking about fractions of a second, but a tenth of a second in the pocket is not nothing. And for him to get rid of it a tenth of a second faster and for the offensive line to allow a tenth of a second longer, that combination is part of why I think we, why what you were saying, you felt like he'd improved. I think that's a tangible way of quantifying some of that is that he's he's getting rid of the football more frequently and more quickly without uh giving him without waiting until there's pressure that's something that i think he's doing a better job of and i think the offense in general is doing a better job of you know ideally you want things for your quarterback to look easy and there's been more easy i think built in for what they're doing, for what they've done at different points this year. And again, like Greg said, this is a this is a much more difficult schedule so far than what they had last year at this stage. I mean, there's been no FAMU on this schedule, right? I mean, I don't think South Carolina is great, but they gave Georgia a lot to handle last week. You know, App State, I think, is better defensively than they were last year. But, you know, okay, so you can call that maybe an even swap. And then I think I think Minnesota is a lot better defensively than than the analogous uh, uh, game last year, which was Georgia State. So you know he's had an opportunity to do to do this against better defenses, which bodes well moving into ACC play. Indeed, it does. Greg, anything left on the Drake discussion here before um, I just straight turn it to what North Carolina's offense needs to do to handle Pitt's defense? No, I would I would also highlight the fact that his wide receivers have dropped seven passes. And so when you Thanks. account count for those and for throwaways, uh, he's completing 85.3% of his passes. And two of those drops turned into picks, didn't they? Uh, one of, Well, yeah, I think so. One of them for sure did. So you've got, uh, what, is it, what is that, effective 
completion percentage of 80 whatever adjusted yeah for 85.3 that, that accounts for drops as well as throwaways that's insanely high i think it's interesting what max said on monday is everybody says you know what's wrong with drake what's wrong with drake and he said he yelled at chip Lindsay one time what's wrong with drake and chip was like he's 10 for 12 man <laughs> you know <laughs> he's working it out but anyway Greg, I'll come to you first. North Carolina's offensive approach here, I think, well, I'll let you get into it. I just think it may be one of those Drake days, and we've talked about that, and Jason will get into throwing over the top of the quarters. But uh, how, how does North Carolina approach this one? Is it similar to last week, maybe? Well, I mean, I think last week we, we had this – we started this conversation, right? And it was like, what, what can Nate McCollum bring to the equation that's been lacking for North Carolina in the – passing game obviously but as a offense in general because we know what Pitt wants to do and they're going to do everything they can to stop the run what did app do uh they wanted to take away what what drake could do throwing the ball down the field as chip Lindsay said that opened up the, the gates for marion hampton um and that's the balance that you want as an offensive coordinator chip Lindsay is just like phil longo pretty much all offensive coordinators these days want to take what the defense gives you Against App State, Carolina did just that with the running game. Uh, Pitt is going to want to take away the run game. And they just have not been near successful doing that as they would like. Um, and so that's going to leave some opportunities for Drake probably to get some some good positioning to be ahead of the chains. And that's really the problem for Pittsburgh, is if you allow Drake May to you get into a third and three or second and five, Whew, good luck because you know that that's a situation where Carolina can run the ball so you've got to be protective against that but if you're going to allow him as Jason just pointed out you know an extra tenth of a second extra half of a second to find time to throw the ball downfield now that we know that Nate McCollum's fast enough and a good enough player to create some opportunities down the field that's going to put a lot of stress on the the Pittsburgh defense. So I think it starts again with you know, how Carolina is able to run the ball. And this gets into you know, what what has Mac talked about for years? Running the ball when you want to be able to run the ball. Uh, and this is the kind of an ideal game for that. You know, last year Carolina was down what 10 points in the third quarter. Uh, and Drake was able to do Drake things and kind of turn that game on his head. You don't want to have to rely on that in the third quarter on the road. Uh, so you want to be able to establish some kind of run game. It doesn't have to be elite by any stretch, but just enough to give Drake Mason room to work. And then I think Carolina will be able to move the ball quite well. Jason, is is the deep bank open for this North Carolina team, given who's on the roster? Tar Heel Wizard in chat said, who's the fastest wide receiver for UNC McCullough? Seems like the best route runner. I think McCullum, right this second, is the fastest. I'd say it's probably Blackwell. You think Blackwell can outrun McCullum? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the sixty meter times that Blackwell put up uh, when he when he's been running track, those are those are pretty good times. So if I had to bet, it'd probably come down to those two. But I'm guessing if you if you just went straight speed, run down the field, see who's the fastest down there. I'm betting it's Blackwell. That's interesting. Nate, if you're listening, I, I tried to give it to you, Nate, because um, I heard you talk about racing Tez a lot over the summer. 
anyway, Blackwell, we'll see. When, when Tez is out there, it's Tez, and it's not <laughs> and it's not close. Uh, Blackwell's uh, ability to play on Saturday is still up in the air. At least that's what we've heard and understand. So we'll see what happens if he's on the field. But how does North Carolina sort of get Pitt off of that stop the run situation? To me, I I I, I think you RPO him to death uh, early in the game. So this is one of those games where you're going to get your opportunities. I mean, how many times every year we talk about, you know, they're going to come out and they're going to play a lot of quarters and you're going to get some opportunities on play action, especially to, you know, run the Mills concept, you know, the old college concept where you have a, a dig from the inside and a big boy post on the outside and you just throw it over top of the, of the, of the safety. You got one-on-one against a corner who has outside leverage and that's a really tough cover against a fast receiver. You're going to get some opportunities to do that again, but you can't come out and throw that. Or, you know, another version is you the post from one side and a climb route, like a deep post on the, or a deep, deep cross on the other side. Either way, you're playing with that safety and just throwing over his head when he has to step up. You can do that, but you can't do that every play. To me, what you want to do with Pitt, and especially this year's Pitt, I don't think this year's Pitt is quite as strong up front as they were last year. And Greg, I think it was you last uh, last week that said, they're starting a bunch of upperclassmen, but and on the defensive line, you know, they've got a bunch of juniors and seniors on the defensive line, but they're a bunch of guys that had done nothing before this year, which usually means that those guys are not, you know, the kind of NFL talent that they'd had on that defensive line in prior years. And if you watched any of the prior of the previous games that they've that they've played so far this year, you get the impression that. Look, it's still Pitt. There's still going to be a handful to block. They still play really hard and really physical on defense. But you don't get the feeling that they have a collegic, uh, you know, Chansey or somebody like that out there this year that they've had. And they've had, you know, two or three of those guys at different points in the last couple of years. So to me, you feel like they might have to commit their those resources to stopping the run on first down. To me, you RPO them. And, you know, some of those things that we saw last week where you've got those little, like, stick routes to to McCollum in the slot where that's built off of the run play. So you've got a run play baked in, and if they bring – if that overhang just comes just a little too close to the line of scrimmage, you just kick it out to, to Nate McCollum on a little stick route or you run a little glance route where you're getting one-on-one coverage – and if they're going to step up and trigger fast to stop stop the run, you just keep dropping it back behind there. And as long as your receivers catch it, you know May's going to put it on, put it in the right spot, and you can move the football with that. And then once they start to have to take that away, that's when you start to run the football. To me, that's your plan early on: is you RPO them and continue to to give them problems with a variety of RPOs. You can't keep running the same one, or they'll cheat with the safety or whatever and do some of the things to undercut it. But you do that stuff to set up your running game and then eventually start to win some some opportunities over the top. Greg, who's the breakout player for Carolina on offense? And Slagle, I'm going to – look, you've been one of the regulars and a great one. This team isn't built for rainy weather. I would – Marion and British Brooks might beg to differ a little bit. And Drake bit. May's got big hands, which is a big factor. Some guys throw the football well in wet weather. And it doesn't really bother him. And it's almost always guys with really big hands. And Drake's got bigger hands than I've got. And I, you know, I, I don't have too much of a problem throwing a wet football. And I'm, I'm betting you Drake is not going to have too much of a problem there. This team, 
compared to a lot of teams that that are dependent on a really good quarterback or whatever, I think this team's better equipped for for wet weather than most. Yeah, and it depends on what what forecast you look at because I've seen dry and pit. So who yep. knows? Can, Wind can is I, a bigger problem than than can, rain. Yep. Can I rant a little bit, Tommy? Go ahead. Let's hold on. I wish I had a, a sign or something I could throw up there. Greg rant. Greg rant. Uh, Ranting Greg is the best best Greg right there. All right, let All me. Right. It's forty four thirty five. Go. So there's been a there's been a lot of conversation uh, this week, and Mac talked about it on Monday about complacency in North Carolina being three and zero and looking good thus far and checking the boxes, but not to let up. What has been a problem for this program since Mac's been back, but long before that? It's going, it's on. It, going on the road against a team they should beat and laying an egg. Ding, 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 ding. And I said that – I said – hold on. I didn't mean to cut you, but I said that um, in the article for On the Beat, and somebody said, what do you mean by that? I'll Did, tell you. Greg, Greg's about to tell you. Right. So, last two years, when Carolina's favored on the road in ACC play – it's 0-4 against the spread. Uh, during the Mac Brown era since 2019, when Carolina is a is favored on the road in ACC play, it's 4-7 and seven against the spread. What does that mean? It means that Carolina, when they're favored, plays down to their opponent and struggles to take care of business on the road. Um, for whatever reason, that has just been an issue. And this is an opportunity against Pitt because we, we know what Carolina has done thus far. I know a lot of people got super excited about the South Carolina game. I really did not. I don't have high expectations for South Carolina this year. Um, I wasn't really impressed with the App State game other than what Carolina was able to do offensively, running the ball. Last week, however, you know, we knew Minnesota's offense was not any good. And that bore, played out, right? Offensively, though, I was super impressed with what Chip Lindsey was able to do and what Drake did. You can build on that. That was a very strong performance. How do you build on it? You go on the road in prime time against an opponent that you've played tight pretty much every single year dating back a decade. I mean, last year's game had to be like one of the first that was not a single possession score. Um. You know what Narduzzi wants to do. He wants to be physical. He wants to play tough. He's coming after Drake. I mean, I got a kick out of the fact that when, I guess it was Adam, posted that Drake was banged up this week. People say, oh, well, that's going to change Narduzzi's approach. No, it's not. That doesn't change anything <laughs> at all. He's coming after Drake. He wants to hit him fairly, but hit him hard, hit him often. That's what he wants to do. Um, so this is another opportunity in this situation to play well enough and do enough things to be successful and come away with a big win. I think Carolina, uh, I think the spread is what, like six points, seven points? I think Carolina, given how Dracovic has been playing, should win by more than that. And we'll get to picks in a little bit. But this is an opportunity for Carolina really to say, look, we may not be great defensively, but we can be solid enough and that offense should be elite. And for most weeks in this season, that's going to be more than enough to get the job done. I think that's got to start on Saturday. I think this is a game that Carolina needs to be physical up front on both lines. You asked for you know, who I thought could be a breakout player. Uh, I think you can pick anybody on the offensive line. 
but I think it's got to be British Brooks and Armarion Hampton. Hmm. You want to win the game running the ball because that disrupts what Pitt wants to do. If you're relying on Drake May to beat him by throwing him over the top and doing what he did last year, you can win that way, but that is not establishing your dominance. This is a game to establish dominance. Whew. Somebody, somebody get some – take a log off the fire. Greg Barnes is hot. <laughs> Other than last year, which was an 18-point win for Carolina, you have to go back to 1998 to find a game in this series decided by more than seven points. That was a 29-10 wow. to 10 win. Uh, 2000, 2009, last, the last two years, or, or the two overtime games, were seven-point games, and they were in overtime. Uh, so this is a, a game that's got it. It's always tight, like you said. Jason, let's turn to the defense, because I think this is – Greg said it best last week. We will know uh, – we lost Jason, and I was about to go to him, so I'll come back to you, Greg. You said last week. The next two weeks will tell the tale for this North Carolina defensive team. What did they do last week briefly, and what did they need to do this week to sort of change that narrative as well? Well, last week was a kind of a great example of, look, you know Minnesota wants to be able to run the ball. You also know that they have a young quarterback who had not played very well to date. And so you've got to take away the run a bit, right? But at the same time, you don't want to be super aggressive with that because you want to make the young quarterback make mistakes. Not a very complicated formula. North Carolina did not have to play elite defense to have success. They didn't play elite defense. They played plenty fine. And Minnesota really had no options. They allowed uh, Kalianakis to, to make some mistakes, which helped. And they were okay enough in other phases of the game. And so give them credit because last year, that wasn't the case. You know, they went into some games where you're like, well, yeah, they should be okay. Uh, Virginia, right? Virginia averaged 14 points a game against FBS opponents. They doubled that against Carolina. And people act like, oh, see, they did okay. No, they didn't. <laughs> right? But against Minnesota, Minnesota's probably going to average close to 13 points a game against FBS competition this year. And Carolina did just that. They did great. So uh, that's what the defense has to do this week is understand that Dracovic's been struggling and Pitt's running game has been struggling. I, mean, I think kind of a, a good thing to point out here, Tommy, is as much as Narduzzi wants to be able to run the ball, if you look at what Pitt has done offensively running the ball, they're averaging – 4.7 yards per attempt. Well, 3.3 yards of that is after contact. So that's 1.4 yards uh, before contact on average. That is not good. Carolina, just for those wondering, uh, is 5.2 and 2.9. So they're averaging 2.3 yards before uh, you know, taking into account contact. So Pitt struggled in that regard. And so as long as you keep doing that and don't let Pittsburgh be able to run the ball consistently and effectively, and you make Dracovic make some plays, that's exactly what you want to do. Uh, you want to take away the big plays down the field, which Pitt really hasn't had. And if, if Pitt can work the ball down the field consistently with eight, nine, ten play drives, you kind of tip your cap. But that's what you want to do. You want them to beat you that way. And I think that's the key for the defense. 
Jason, standout player for North Carolina's defense. Gregory Hall's in the chat. Is it Desmond Evans? <laughs> I don't know if Jason could. <laughs> uh, that's brutal. It's just brutal. No, hey, Every, you know, credit to Des. He has played his butt off. Yes, he has. And, and I'm not going to say that Des is going to be the guy. I do think – so Des played really well against Pitt last year. I thought that was, you know, th- that was the game where I felt like he had turned a corner and then, you know, he got hurt. And I think I think he's got a chance to play really well in this game again. But I think this is a game where I think I think this is where uh, the linebackers really have to play well. And I think this is one of those where a guy like Cedric Gray, I think, really has a chance to 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 be that dude. Here it needs to be a, a collaborative effort up front because they're going to run a lot of zone. I mean, looking at what they run. Uh, so earlier I'd said I was looking that up. They run. Actually, it's interesting. They run a, as wide a variety of different things as you're really going to see among ACC teams, which is not surprising given how much they they value running the football. But you know, this is again per True Media, thirty times inside zone, twenty five times read option, twenty four times power. 23 times lead, 21 times outside zone, 18 times split zone, 17 times just straight man blocking. So, I mean, they're doing a lot of different stuff, but the most, but the majority, like a, a, or a plurality of that is inside and outside zone with sometimes with a read type thing attached. And honestly, I don't think you're that scared of, of Jerkovic as a, as a read option pull, right? You, 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 you're happy with him pulling it every so often and you get another shot on him but the big thing is that they've got to be really unified they've got to they've got to play cohesively and aggressively up front to set up those backers because they're going to Pitt is going to try to put them in some you know in some binds up front and allow there to be a seam and it's not going to be one guy whether it be Rucker or uh, or Evans or any of those guys that that I think is going to wreck it. You're going to have to be really good and cohesive across the board there. So I'm going to go with one of the backers as, as a breakout player, though, again, if Djokovic plays anything like he has so far, you might get, you know, some defensive back who has a breakout with a couple picks. So, you know, I think that's something else to consider. And yeah, I I do have an offensive breakout player, by the way, you didn't ask me that earlier. I'm calling my shot on this one. I think this is the game that green breaks out. Andre Green Jr., breakout game. I think Andre Green, after what happened last week with McCollum, I think McCollum's still going to have a pretty good game here, but I think Pitt, you know, that got Pitt's attention. And I think there's going to be a little extra attention focused on trying to limit that a little bit. And I think there's going to be some opportunities for Green downfield in this game. J.J. Jones will have some too, but I think Green is, I think this is the 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 moment where he kind of announces that he's ready to ready to play. Yeah, one thing I wanted to throw in, Tommy, is in terms of what you know, Pitt's wanting to do offensively running the ball. Uh, they would love nothing more, as Jason kind of alluded to there, of, of just running the inside zone effectively. But they really haven't had any success doing that. I mean, if you look at what they've done in between the tackles, they've got 119 yards rushing in, through three games in between the tackles. Uh, I think it's 3.7 yards per attempt. It's brutal. The the bulk of their 
success running the ball. You, you know, QB sneaks and scrambles and all that's a big part of it. But if you look at what they've done, you know, around the left edge, averaging 6.6 yards per attempt, around the right edge, 5.7 yards per attempt. Uh, combined, that's 248 yards just around the edges. So I think for if, if people are kind of looking, you know, what's an indication that Carolina is doing well? If Pitt is able to run the ball in between the tackles effectively, that may suggest a long night because that's been part of Pitt's problems. But if Carolina is able to kind of slam things up up front, then maybe that is the linebackers coming up and filling gaps appropriately. Uh, but taking away that bread and butter play that Pitt wants to do and just kind of pound you up the gut, if you take that away, now all of a sudden they're having to switch up their game plan, having to attack the edges more, and that brings Dracovic more into play. So that's something to kind of key on. Yep, I'm, I'm going to build on Greg's numbers here too. Average yards before contact for Pitt this year on inside zone, 1.8. Whew. So 1.8 yards before contact on 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 inside zone on power which they've run 24 times on the year when they've run power average yards before contact is half a yard they've run lead 23 times so this is just you know two backs or an h back or whatever leading through the through the hole 0.2 yards per carry before contact so to Greg's point, if they're having success doing that, they'll do it all night. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're. I mean, it look, the numbers show that they've they basically tried to do it all night, <laughs> even when they haven't had success. <laughs> and get, get a load of this number. I couldn't believe this when I saw it. On third down this season, the season, Pitt has gained thirty yards rushing through three games. Y'all are setting it up. Y'all are teeing this one up. <laughs> we have done this before. And when I mentioned Dez earlier, Dez has played his butt off, like I said, this year. He's going to be that guy on those outside runs that's going to need to step up and make the tackle there to cut down that uh, heavy yardage they're getting outside. Let's get right into it. Let's wrap this one up. Let, let's talk about some predictions. And I can't remember who went first last time, but I'm going to go Greg. You got to go first. Uh, Carolina and Pittsburgh. A lot of folks in the chat are saying if Greg Barnes predicts a blowout, it's going to be a close game. What, what you got, Greg? That's uh, that's some trust, right? Look, I, <laughs> similar to last <laughs> week. <laughs> we talked talked in the offseason on the, the preseason prediction pod. Uh, and I really kind of highlighted this game. And I guess this is the one that I picked Carolina to lose. And part of that, uh, as, I, as Jason pointed out earlier, I thought the defensive line would be a little bit uh, stronger than what it has been, even though most of those guys were backups last year because they did play a lot. Um, and they've, they've been solid, but, but not great, not near as good as last year's defensive line. And then I really thought Dracovic would be an improvement over Slovis. I mean, you pit won nine games last year, even with Slovis. Uh, and he has not been. And so it's going to take Dracovic having, you know, the game of the season for him, for for Pitt to really make this a competitive game. And so because of that, I think, 
you know, Carolina just does what they've done thus far this year and, and play a balanced game offensively. Uh, I think Carolina wins this one. I, I guess I can't pick a, I can't pick a blowout. So I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to pick a blowout, but I think, I think this is a game that uh, is probably competitive until the third quarter and Carolina is able to pull away. So I've got North Carolina winning this one 31 to 17. Oh man. you mm. Nope, Killing nope, me. nope, nope. I've got to nope, change nope, my score. That's not a blowout, folks. It's not hey, a blowout. I'm, I'm editing the podcast as we go. Greg said 14 13, Carolina. Uh, Jason, what you got? Predictions well, here. Well, you, on got, the... well, you got Carolina 12 to nothing, right? I, know, uh, I, I think that's some reference to some prediction somebody had several years ago. <laughs> <laughs> they they never get this one. Never going to live that one down. <laughs> Never. They they figure out how to get it, get this one. Uh, the bye week might get us all lathered up to start going that direction. What you got, Jason? So I agree with basically everything that Greg said, and and to me, this is what's a family friendly way to talk about what kind of week this is. Uh, this is one of those where this is a gut check type week. What it kind rhy- of football it rhy- team? It, it rhymes with that, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is a gut check type week. You know, what kind of football team do you want to be? Do you want to be a team that that actually has a chance to contend and compete within your conference and, and hopefully more? If so, you come out and you take care of business against a team that has been struggling at the quarterback position, doesn't have a bunch of playmakers out wide or, or even in the backfield, and you, you know, you, you take care of business. You don't kick it around and turn it over and put yourself in bad, bad situations. The place where this game could go wrong is, you know, they, they've there've been some uncharacteristic turnovers so far in the year. If Pitt's plus two in this game, they probably, you know, they're, they're in position to win this game. Mm-hmm. Carolina needs to protect the football and just play clean and then play physical up front. That's, that's the thing. If they can match the physicality and play clean football in terms of t- not turning it over or not doing anything stupid on special teams, I think they win this game. And I think Pitt probably needs to be plus two to win this game, maybe plus three. But ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, uh, I think Carolina does end up winning this game. I think, again, having a guy like Drake May in this situation, you feel like you trust him. Okay, you get on third and eight. And you trust that guy to make the right decision so that the drive ends with a kick. And I think that's what you need to have in this game. I, Greg almost took the same score I did, so I'm going to change mine slightly. Uh, but I'm going to go with uh, Carolina 34, Pitt 13 in this game. Interesting. Uh, we're all in the same ballpark. Um, I was thinking of the South Carolina receivers, quote, Last year, after I guess they beat Tennessee or is it when they beat Clemson, they dropped them and lowered the boom <laughs> on them. Um, folks are freaking out about the Stormtrooper jerseys. I mean, there's a reason that they don't win a ton of games in the Stormtrooper jerseys because they're away games against decent teams. And because Stormtroopers can't aim straight. They never yeah, hit anything exactly. they're aiming at. So, I mean. So, so maybe they'll let Dre or – or, or they can aim. It just doesn't, like, hurt when they – finally hit somebody and he set it to stun yeah exactly <laughs> exactly drake may will not be setting anything to stun on saturday night 
The weather could be interesting to Jason's point earlier. It's about the wind, but I, Pittsburgh's the long ways west in Pennsylvania, so who knows where. I think Randy Clements is just dying for a run for a rainy game to just ground, grind and pound and all he's those gonna, things. He's going to be out there with cut off tights, right? There you go. You know, <laughs> and ready to go. I mean, I think uh, I think this is a game, Carolina. All the things we've talked about, it's a narrative changer. It's a gut check. All those type things, I think that's what it is. I think it's a business trip for this team. This is the game that they need to show that they're legit. I'm going to go 33 to 16. <laughs> I go for we're, all, we're all fighting for that territory that Greg already staked out. Look, Sean Crawley hit it right as I was saying, and he picked 16 as well. You know, it's a game that could be worse. It's a game that could be a field goal, a Noah Burnett field goal late, um, you know, in 30-mile-an-hour win. We need to write down our picks on a piece of paper and then all at the same time hold it up to the camera. Yeah, so, just just for the record, my pick would have been 31, 31, 31 to 17. So I um, so somebody in the on the board said we need to post – a weekly post or whatever and keep up with all our stuff. I think we probably need to do that. So um anyway, I'll figure out how to yeah, go we'll back. Get that, and get we'll get that stuff. done. Anything left, gentlemen, as we get out of here a smooth hour and five minutes into the game plan. Greg, any last words? <laughs> no, just the only thing I would say, and this is kind of off off tangent, but um if you ever get a chance to go to Pittsburgh to, to watch a ball game uh, with it's the, worth it with the hills. It really is. I mean, Pittsburgh is a great town. Uh, I was, I was surprised when I first went up there, however many years ago, at really just how kind of a cool of a place it is. And there are some places in the ACC that is not worth the trip. Pittsburgh is worth the trip, and especially the fact that they play Hinesfield or whatever it's called now. Uh, it, it's it's a good it's a good weekend trip, and uh, I encourage people to go and. As, as you'll see on Saturday night, uh, there are great seats to be had. So, I'd love to see your list of the places that are not worth going to, Greg. I'll, I'll be kind at the moment. <laughs> that, that'll be in the book. The book will be $69.99 right. yeah. for sale at the Inside Carolina store. Right. Yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh's awesome. I, I wanted to get my youngest up there. It would have been a perfect weekend to go do it, um, to see Carolina. You know, I've done the, the Pirates and the Steelers double on the weekend that's a it's a cool place a cool area between those stadiums definitely um, recommend the trip as you said and they finally played on a saturday up there so uh yeah. it would have been ideal i know some of the some of the tailgate crew are going up there i'm sure they will have a blast it's been the game plan podcast that's jason staples greg barnes as always knocking it out of the park we'll be back sunday with the day after a 9 a.m sharp Join Buck, Jason, and I as we talk about this one. And whatever happened, we'll talk about it probably for an hour or so. And stay tuned. You got one more stat? No, no, no. I got a question. Okay. We haven't even talked about the big game of the weekend. Clemson FSU. Jason, what we got? <laughs> Uh-oh. So, yeah. So, I, I already recorded my preview for that game. So, I've already bonus, got a tour Bonus on content, record. right. Yeah. Um, this, I think that's a game where – one of those teams has the kind of receivers and playmakers that Clemson has been running out there for almost a decade now. And it's not Clemson. 
that I, I don't think they have the kind, you know, they don't have a Keon Coleman or a, or a Johnny Wilson or even a Jaheim Bell on, on that Clemson offense. And I'm honestly not that impressed by Cade Klubnik so far. His numbers under pressure, by the way, are almost the same as as uh, Dracovic. Uh, so, you know, when when he gets pressure in his face, he does not like it, and he's willing to throw the football to the other team. So, you know, I look at them as being very evenly matched on the line of scrimmage across a lot of places, but I think Jordan Travis uh, against Cade Klubnik and those those uh, wide receivers that Florida State has, I think it's one of those games that, that Clemson, it ends up fighting for it, – it's one of those games where you watch them and it looks like one team is just fighting and clawing for every inch and every yard, and I think that's going to be Clemson, where they're going to have to really strain to get yardage in this game. And I think Florida State's going to be able to get some chunk plays, and I think that's the difference in it. I, I ended up in my in my preview on this uh, – that, that I did separately, I ended up going to Florida State uh, 38, Clemson 17. I, th- I think that's Ooh, in the ballpark. And I would not be surprised if it was a little bigger than that because I think the, the playmaker difference is pretty substantial. If it were at night down there, I would think it might be a little different. I don't think that makes a difference. I don't know. Clemson, but but has Cade Klubnik done anything other than the ACC championship game? No, and he hasn't. And, and the thing is, I saw something the other day, and I don't know if it's true or not, but something along the lines of he, he, he basically, he, he, he never got pressured at all in, in high school. Like if you go back through his like senior year or whatever, he, he didn't get sacked and he's just not used to pressure. And I think you can really see that he does not like uh, compressed pockets. He does not like when guys are getting pressure up the, up the, up the middle. And if you can flush him and all of that, he he has so far shown the willingness to throw it to the other team. That's something to watch for the rest of the way that uh, in in the season, especially since Carolina is going to be playing against him later in the year. When you watch this game, take note of how he handles pressure because that's something I can guarantee you that Chiswick and the staff are going to be watching as well. Of you know, oh, you, you get you bring pressure up, you know, up the the B or the A gaps, and he really struggles with this. And and I think that's something that may show. Yep, and, and there's a lot of big games. Ohio State and Notre Dame, that's another game I wanted to go to. Six. Oregon and Colorado. Six games between ranked opponents. It's an unreal weekend. Last yep. last weekend sucked, but this weekend's fantastic. Yep, yep. It'll be a lot of fun to watch. Um, I saw where Colorado and USC is at noon on Fox, which translates to 10 a.m. out there, if I saw that correctly. <laughs> Wesley Carson has a, a higher view of John Shire than I do. Yeah, Wesley Carson been on it tonight. That's pretty funny. <laughs> a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, usuals in the chat. A couple new people in the chat, folks. Appreciate Colorado everything. Colorado might lose by forty. It would. Uh, um, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bet against them at this point. You, sh- you should. <laughs> All right, you give me forty, I'll bet against them. No, I'll bet. I'll take Colorado if you give me forty. What's our bet? I don't know. We'll, we'll say. We'll say. Uh, Round to golf at Keith Hills. Okay, let's see. Uh, let's let's set it at. Uh, you, let's go thirty-eight so that forty's because forty's okay. even. Let's go thirty-eight. I'll take I'll take Oregon. You in, Greg? Uh, not at that number. You're not in at thirty-eight. I I don't think that's a. Yeah, I think that's a little too high. If you if you, we want to make it like twenty-eight, then I w- I would jump on that. 
You oh, jump but, on I'm that with Oregon. but I'm taking Colorado, taking and Colorado. you're giving me 38. Yeah, I know. So Greg's in. <laughs> I'm playing Keith Hills for free, folks. Maybe next week we'll be. Uh, we'll check it out. Travis Hunter's out too, but it's up to 21. So that okay. I mean, 38 points. I just got on a bet with. Whew. All right. I will be watching that game intently, on it, and I don't want to. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Y'all have had some bonus, uh, you know, inside baseball, non-North Carolina talk. It's been the game plan. Everybody's been great. Jason, Greg, thanks, fellas. It's been fun. Yeah, enjoy can't it, believe Nar- Can't believe Narduzzi managed to jam my signal. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 